All right, everybody, welcome back to Tig's Bits. And man, do I have a very, very special guest this week. My good buddy, Andy Thaxton, who graduated. We're not going to say the year that we graduated, but obviously it wasn't yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Well, how have you been doing? Things are good. I can't believe it's, it's been that long since we talked, man. I tried to think. We've probably, I'm guessing we saw each other at one point after like, I don't know, 2003, four-ish maybe. And then we haven't really talked or seen each other for sure since then. No, no. Just keep up, you know, keep up with each other through social media, of course. Which yeah. I tell you, man, that's a, that is a nice thing that has happened. You know, there's a lot of a lot of negatives with social media as as we all know but one of the one of the positives are things like that i've watched you move and do all of your stuff and and, you, and your yeah. kids grow up and you know and and all of that i don't feel like it's been 15 or 20 years since we've actually interacted <laughs> with each other i feel the same way i feel like i'm still connected in some way to brantley salter somehow you know i just Oh, absolutely you are and you you always will be. So to kind of bring us up to speed, number one, let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Andy and I did graduate together sometime in the mid-90s. We will not get too specific on the year, but went to school in Little Florine, Louisiana for many, yes, many did. years. The Black Cats, baby. You better believe it. Whenever we graduated, I went to LSU and Andy went to the Marines. I've had one question and I will just start there before we jump into some other things. What made you what made you decide to want to go join the Marines? And thank you for your service. Well, I appreciate that, man. You're, you're more than welcome. You know, looking back, I think it was just something I knew I always wanted to do. I, I can remember I went to the recruiter very early, like I think when we were in the in the 11th grade and kind of signed up for the early program. But I don't remember ever thinking about doing anything different. I don't know how much I expressed that back then. I don't know how much I talked about it. I don't remember. But of course, my dad was a Marine. He never really talked about it, but I think that probably played a lot into it. Uh, so I, I just never thought about doing anything else. I think that was your answer back then. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I did, that we did ask, like, are, are you sure you want to go do this? Why, why do you want to, you know, it's what I want to do. Okay. <laughs> I think I remember just before you left that summer, we hung out at my sister's house. It's crazy. I hadn't even thought about that until right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. funny how funny how it all comes flooding back. You're still serving, correct? I'm still active duty, so I, I tra transitioned from the Marine Corps to the Navy. The Marine Corps sent me to school, and I uh, went to went to Texas A&M, got my degree over there, and commissioned into the Navy out of the Marine Corps. So from the enlisted side of the Marine Corps to the officer side in the Navy, and it's it's been a few years now. It's it's all I've ever done, wear a uniform. It's all I know, and I think it's probably coming to an end pretty soon. Maybe later this year, maybe next year, but. But uh, re retirement's in the in the cards very soon for us, I think. Well, well, dude, I I think you've I think you've earned it. <laughs> you deserve it. And did I did I see that y'all got an RV? Did it, am I dreaming this? Yeah, Danny's always wanted a camper, and we I finally kind of worked out to where we, where we could get one. And we've we've been trucking that thing all around. We're in Tennessee now, so we've been all over the Middle Tennessee, Western Tennessee state parks, and it's it's been fun. So, yeah, we've, we've got one now. Well, then, of course, to really get to the meat and potatoes of what he and I are, are going to talk about, he forms I Dig History and has a YouTube channel. But I don't think it just started overnight. 
obviously you got into metal detecting. What got you started there? How did you get involved in, in even starting that? So my brother, actually, he, he's actually the metal detecting expert. So he, he got me starting. He, he's been detecting for, I don't know, Long, long, long time, probably 30 years. I don't, I don't know. He's been doing it a long time, but he kept telling me, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. You'll, you'll love the history aspect of it. And I finally got around to, to trying it out a few years ago. And, and he was right. And, and I've just kind of bought into it, you know, fully, much like I think you were with fishing there for a while. It's, it's, it's all I, it's all I do right now. It's all, <laughs> a, it's all I think about, you know, I want to go next. Where am I going to go? What am I going to find? That kind of thing. That's right. It becomes an obsession. I I, I get yeah. it. <laughs> totally, totally get <laughs> I it. You would. Yeah. And I, I still that once it once it's built into you, you don't you don't lose that. I don't fish like I used to, but I'm still just as passionate about it. <laughs> you were full sponsored, weren't you? I was. Yeah. At one point in time, I I was sponsored with nitro bass boats and castaway rods and was real. I mean, oh. I wasn't at the that professional touring level but i was i was close i was close yeah. and then yeah. Haley Haley was born in in 2003 and it's like diapers or tournament entries <laughs> you know yeah and priorities change yeah i wasn't winning a lot so priorities change priorities change but i wouldn't change it you know i, w- I really would wouldn't wouldn't change a thing get back on track here so darren kind of gets you gets you into the metal detecting and all of that now I've known that you've always been a been a history buff. You always were, and 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 could see where where these artifacts and things would come along and and pique your interest. But where did that kind of get started? Like, how did we go? How did we transition from Darren, you and Darren doing it hobby learning to like where you're at now, twenty four seven? It's on your mind. You're creating content. All of that. How did we? How did we get to this point? Yeah, great, great question, man. I think my wife wonders wonders the same thing. I think it probably has to do with the Civil War. I, I've always been a you know a, interested in the Civil War and to be and this is when I was down in South Louisiana, stationed in New Orleans at Bell Chase, to be able to put in some research about where some of these smaller skirmishes were, not just the the big battle sites. You, you have to stay away from those; those are all protected, but. You know, troop campsites where where troops had moved through to be able to to, to do that and then go out to a, a place that has no visible, recognizable features that tells you this is the location. But to do the research and go out there and then actually find a piece of Civil War history, a bullet, a button, you know, a piece of a musket, whatever that that sort of just really, really, you know, brought it all together for me, knowing that this is real history that I'm looking at. I'm the first person to touch this thing in 150 plus years. And probably the last person that touched it was a member of either the Confederacy or the the, the Union Federal Troops. And they were the last person to touch it. So that's I get a kick out of that. Being down in, in New Orleans specifically, you know, one, one of the oldest cities, settlements in, in the South period, but certainly in Louisiana, Besides Natchitoches, the history around that area, you know, the the antebellum colonial history, it's all there. The the early 1700s, late 1700s history there. I mean, I've dug stuff from the 1700s. That's hard to believe, but wow, you know, that's just amazing to me. Oh, it, it totally is. It it really, really is. It just you know that people are coming through these places that skirmishes are happening and war and all of that and 
it's just buried off in the woods somewhere. It's just right off the interstate or, you know, <laughs> like, can you, can you imagine going back and to whenever this happened and showing those people a picture of modern day today <laughs> and where their battlefield is? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what would they think? <laughs> just what would they think? So I, I've seen you have recently on your YouTube channel, and please give all of your credentials of how to find your YouTube channel, your TikTok, social medias. But I saw recently you've had had a had a couple of videos to explode because of some artifacts that you found. So tell us a little bit about them. So pretty much, it's the the channel is is consistent across the platforms. It's just basically I dig history. You can you can search for what's on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, uh, Facebook as well. But so the last one that took off was it wasn't very old of a relic. So this was a World War One soldier's dog tag that I dug here in the local area, the, the Western Tennessee area, right? So no one was fighting World War One here, but this was a soldier's dog tag that had come back from the war, had his name on it, could, could get a little bit of information about him. And, and the part I love to do is to, is to take the stuff home and start getting online and digging into the, the history books and seeing if I can put the pieces of, of the story together. And so I was able to track this this gentleman's family, you know, his lineage, who he was, got some got some of the documents that had his name on it, his draft registration card, like some old census information, found out about him, you know, basically his whole life. And he was actually buried here in the Memphis National Cemetery. And so I kind of put all of it together. And then I actually went down and visited this guy's grave. He was a private in World War One. And then so if you watch the 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 reel or the TikTok, I put all that together. And then at the end, I show it at the grave there. But that's if, if I can tell the story of something I find, that's the ultimate. Right. Finding something is cool. But if I can tell something about the story, that's where, that's where I'm at. Right. It, it's it's uh, it's just it's just cool to me. Oh, yeah. That's the juice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it really is just it, <laughs> to to find something to take the time. And that's another thing. How do you, to, to preserve some of these things that are, are encrusted in, in dirt and things like that, they have to, I would think that they would have to be pretty brittle and could break fairly easily. So that part of the hobby, I guess, is I've learned along the way is some of the, the preservation aspects of some of these relics. Everything from doing rust electrolysis, re removing the rust using electricity on, on iron things specifically. So that's, I got an electrolysis tank that I drop stuff in and I hook up the wires on it and leave it there for two or three days. But so that's another aspect of this is how to preserve some of these things. You, you learn all about the chemicals to use and not to use, but you're absolutely right. Some of these things are, you know, if, if you're, you're talking 1700s, they're hanging on by a thread, you know, so especially like little small buttons or. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's that's another piece of it, which I enjoy that aspect as well. You know, cleaning up stuff and figuring out what's what um, once I get home from the hunt kind of thing. You know, you never know. You may see something I would think that would you're going to be. This is just this is a cool button. Yeah. But then as you uncover it, you're like, this isn't just a button. Yeah. <laughs> how deep how how deep are you having to dig to find some of these things or to find a lot of this stuff, especially like. Civil War era things. So the, the general rule is the older, the deeper, right? Unless you're in a, a farm field that's, that gets plowed a lot. So you, you could find anything at surface level. My detector will go down and detect objects about 14 inches. 
14, 15 inches, depending on the size of it. But for instance, when, when, when my brother and I get to detect together, a lot of times we'll just hunt farm fields, right? For, you know, there was a battle there, there was a skirmish there and you really, you could find bullets, you could find buttons just laying almost on the surface that, you know, your detector picks it up. And so you just kind of scratch the surface a bit and it's just right there because it's been plowed up so many times. But one, one instance, just talking about the, the, the how it's interesting and in tying the, the history together. Uh, my brother and I were able to detect at a battle site in sort of, I guess, central eastern Louisiana. But we did the, the history of it. And our great, great grandfather very likely fought in that battle for the Confederacy. And we were out. We were able to go out and find bullets of that battle. So that was a cool thing for both of us. We've hunted it several times and come back with some pretty cool relics. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. That's the ultimate, dude. That kind of gives me chills. That's Yeah. That is really, really, really cool. Where are you finding this stuff? So the I do right now I'm doing all of my hunting up here in, in Tennessee. I only come down to Louisiana every now and then to hunt with Darren. But down in, in, in South Louisiana, so mostly St. Charles Parish, St. James Parish, St. John Parish, out kind of west of New Orleans, you know, out that way. But along the river road, you have these old plantation sites and a lot of them are still there. You can see some of them. Some of them are tourist attractions. But the the ones that you don't see are the ones that have, have been lost to history. The plantation houses are long gone. All you see is a, a sugarcane field. And so the, doing the research and finding out where those old plantation homes were that were there in the late 1700s in a lot of cases, you just go out and you talk to the farmers and you say, hey, I'm, you know, here, this is who I am. I'm interested in swinging my, my detector in your farm field. I'm happy to show you what I find. You know, it's it's your stuff. You get first choice of whatever you want of it kind of thing. Some are interested. Some could care less. You know, some will just say have fun, that kind of thing. The way you do the research is basically there's some there's some warehouse sites on the Internet, kind of, of old maps. And you, you can get on these websites and, and they're basically geo-rectified like old topographic maps. Basically, I can go in and scroll in and look at where old home sites back to the 1800s in some cases, so on some of these maps, and I can I can put my pinpointer right on where the old house used to be or where I think the front door in some cases of the old house used to be, wow. and it'll give me a lat long of exactly where that was at. I throw it into my GPS, my phone, I walk out in the field and it takes me right to where the front door of this plantation home was. And guess what? That's where they dropped a lot of stuff coming out of the front of their house. So it's it's kind of putting all the pieces together. And That is incredible. Yeah. Holy cow, man. So that's, you're, you're finding history, but you are 100% using some of the latest technology oh, yeah. available to, to find it. Along with along with just that old school metal detector that's been around for years. Absolutely. That's why I find it interesting is I know you're not just going somewhere getting lucky. You know, it takes the planning, the research, all of that to to go in to be able to to find these things. Then, you you know, at least you've kind of shrunk it to where you can find maybe find the needle in the haystack. Yeah. So you're hunting. I mean, it's a true hunt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the the old home sites, you know, you can do a lot of that with the old topographic maps. Some places you won't have as old of a map as you'd like. But for Civil War stuff, it's a little bit different. Right. So you have to just read. You have to read about, hey, uh, this regiment camped overnight near this river crossing or near this creek. And then when you go out, 
and you and you see what's there, it looks nothing like what was described in the 1860s. And so then you kind of really start having to think about where would troops come through at? Where would they cross that? You know, so Civil War is tricky. You, you've got to really think about where troops would move through. A lot of times the roads, the main roads are the exact same place that they were that long ago. Some of the smaller roads have been created, but like main river roads and stuff like that, those are in the same place as they were then. People don't change stuff, right? They just they make it better. Totally makes sense as to, you know, go, coming back to home, how you can find all kinds of things along the Cane River throughout that whole area around Any Sabine Parish, just all throughout yeah. there. I mean, there's so much stuff where we grew up that it's it's crazy that we didn't kind of get into this stuff when we were in high school. I know. I think about that. Yeah. I guess we were just doing too many other things. <laughs> Darren and I got a chance to do some detecting up around the Fort Jessup area. So obviously Fort Jessup, that was an actual old fort. So there's some, there's some properties you can't, obviously you can't detect there in the park. That's a protected area. And that's, that's another thing about this hobby. Folks think you, you know, sometimes you're going into some of these protected areas. That's, that's a no, no. We, we don't go into those places at all. Properties around, around the fort, right? People let us hunt their land. And some of the coolest things that Darren and I have found, I think just because it was so close to where we grew up, have been right there in the Fort Jessup area. And, and we're talking the early 1800s, right? So wow, uh, some military stuff, some coins. So that's the, that, that's the cool stuff. It's, it was close to home. We were always in that area, and just to know it was always in the ground there. That is nuts. And, you know, you just go along Highway 6, and you pass that sign, Fort Jessup State Park, you yeah. know. Another piece there, and, and this is just taking you back to the Sabine Parish, the neighborhood there. The Highway 6, I don't know if you've seen these signs. You probably have. But that's the old El Camino Real, the King's Highway, that traveled basically between the Natchitoches, St. John Baptiste Fort over there, the Natchitoches area. And that went all the way into East Texas and over in, in parts of, of Central Texas. So that's El Camino Real. That just means the King's Highway. And that's where, where traffic came through there. So if you travel Highway 6, you're going down where 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 some very famous people have traveled through that area. And and one of the <laughs> coolest things that that we found, Darren actually dug it, and it's it's uh, it's not that of a rare of a find, but the where he found it, we know it where it came from. It was right in front of mom and dad's house, so we know it was right on that trail. And this was an 1830s seated Liberty dime, a very worn, and it had a hole in it, so we know it was worn as a necklace. But he found it right. It's like 12 inches down right out there in the corner of, our, of, their, of their yard. And we know that that came from the, the traffic that was traveling this trail back and forth. Just sitting out there all those years. Wow. That's so amazing. And all the, the road constructions, the, you know, widening of the lanes and all of that, that, that it would still yeah. be there. Yeah. That <laughs> untouched, most likely hadn't been touched since it dropped on the ground that day. Right. Yeah. That's just, I mean, it, it really, it, it really is just interesting beyond interesting, but how it can tell a story and it can just make you think and you have to link it back to this and that and that. And it's, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a wagon trail, you know, it was nothing more than probably a two lane to a two wheel wagon trail through there, but that was considered a main thoroughfare at that point, you know, horses and buggies could go through there. So that's where they traveled through. Right. I don't know if you can see right up above me here. This that's a, a grouping of 
plantation tokens right after the Civil War. So during basically Reconstruction, when slaves were turned into basically paid employees, right, for for the most part, plantations would turn around instead of paying in, in actual legal tender, the plantation stores, the commissaries that they had on the plantations, they would basically make these brass tokens with denominations on them. And so it was a closed system, a rig system. It, it wasn't fair or whatever, hmm. but this is what they did. So they, they made these tokens and they paid these now now paid workers, former slaves. They paid them with these plantation tokens to go use back at the own plantation store to buy their bread or tobacco or meat or whatever. But that that whole case right there, I found basically someone had either buried them all together or someone lost them all together because they were all together. And, and so it's a. It's an interesting, probably one of the more interesting as far as the historical aspect of it, you know, to being able to kind of put the the, the South Louisiana story together and, you know, just being able to tell like this was actually used and for this purpose. And, you know, there's there's uh, there's stuff on there. You can turn it in for a loaf of bread or a, a pound of meat, some of the tokens say. But but, you know, that's just another way of telling the story. I didn't realize that they had a currency even even like that, a token, whatever. I didn't realize that that even existed. That's neat. And that happened. That stuff was happening all around us where we grew up. Yes, it was. I don't feel like we learned as much about it as, as we should have. That's a great point. That's an absolutely great I'm point. I'm not knocking anybody or anything, but <laughs> somebody should have been rolling around the parish showing stuff like this <laughs> to get folks interested in just to know where we're from and what's happening and all. We just thought the Free State Festival was just for carnivals and fun and Raymond Goodman, but it was not. It was for... <laughs> <laughs> oh man the oh. sack race and all of that stuff <laughs> you need to go dig around Florine high school there's no telling what you may find did we actually bury a time capsule in dr decker's class did i just dream that or did we do that it's still got to be there I, I've, I've thought about that many times we're getting off the rails here in collectibles <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about some some more of these other things that are behind you. I see the the coins. What's something else that most of the stuff behind me here is uh, Civil War stuff. You see that? So that's basically pi that's pirate treasure. That's from the early 1700s. That's a hammered silver Spanish coin. It's it's got the cross on it. I think I forgot which king it was, but these were basically little little chips off a piece of silver. They would just kind of knock a little chip of it off. And they would stamp it on. And that's what their coins were. When people think about pirate treasure, they think about these. These are called cobs. But that's probably the oldest silver coin I have. Early 1700. I actually have two of them. A lot of people ask, what's the most expensive thing that I've dug? What's the most valuable? I dug something that's worth well over worth $10,000. Well over $10,000. What was that? It, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a coin-ish type of thing. I'll tell you that. What'd you do when you found this item? What what'd you do? I freaked you lose out. Your mind? I, I'll tell you that it's in, it's in one of my videos. Now you got to go watch them all and figure it out. <laughs> I flipped out. I mean, like when I find this stuff, I get real excited and you know couldn't believe what I just found, kind of thing. Let me ask you this: Will you ever sell it? That's a possibility. Yeah, I rarely sell things. I've done it a few times. Mostly, it's the modern stuff that I find, like a modern gold ring or a mo a modern silver ring. I have no interest in keeping that kind of stuff and. It can go back into the the hobby of, for the next hunt for whatever. But so I've, I, yes, I've sold some some jewelry type stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, I would I would think over over time you would collect enough stuff and some of those things, like you just mentioned, you know, it's like those are a dime a dozen for you. Yeah. It's not, you know, you found that kind of stuff. So make a little money to support the habit. There's there nothing you- <laughs> wrong, nothing wrong with that. There you go. Support the habit. I like that. What are your plans kind of in the future without giving too much away? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of like a, your secret fishing hole. You just got to kind of be careful about what you say, you're, where you're going. Other people will show up if you start talking too much. I mean, it's just a matter. I've, oh. I've proven that's the case. But I, I'm always on the hunt for places to to, to dig. I, I actually, I took work off tomorrow. So I took a day of leave tomorrow and I'm going down to a place on the Arkansas side of the river. Uh, I've got some some big expectations for a, an old community down there that's no longer there. It's gone completely. It's a ghost town. You drive by it and you, it's just farm fields, but oh wow, it's an old plantation there. It used to be a store and, and two churches and a commissary, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's there. Now, do you go on some of these occasionally and not find a single thing? Yeah, it happens. I, I've gotten pretty good, though, as far as knowing kind of what I'll find or what I expect to find. The problem, to be honest, is it's becoming harder to find places that have not been detected before. This hobby is growing like crazy. And people, you know, have the same ideas that I have. And I try to do that, that really, really, really in-depth research, but somebody else probably has done it already. But I'm pretty good about thinking or, or you know, knowing what to expect to find. But yes, there are times when I'll come home and, and Daniel asks me if, you know, what did I find? And I'll just kind of shake my head and walk slowly up to my bedroom and close the door and be sad for a while. <laughs> right. Sure. I understand. It's like go. Like a day on the water and you just didn't catch anything. It just wasn't your day. You know, yeah. those, that, those days, they happen. Well, Andy, it's good seeing you and visiting with you again. We don't need to be strangers. <laughs> I agree. We, we need to do this again. We're going to keep watching your channel and go, go to I Dig History. Go to his YouTube, his TikTok, everywhere you can, you can see them. And you are going to see some, some fascinating things if this is what you're into. And if you're listening to this at this point, this is what you're into. So, so go and check it out because Andy's one of the best, one of the best that I've seen. I did do a little research and a little due diligence to see some other channels that do similar, similar things. And I'm like, my, my boy, Andy's killing it. That's it. I mean, that's why you're getting the attention that you're getting on there and getting the likes and the shares and all of that stuff. It's because you do a great job. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. I, I told you about my, my, my caveat coming into this was I don't know what your audience is going to think, but I appreciate you having me nonetheless to, to kind of geek out for you for a few minutes on my hobby. But you, you look good, man. You sound good. I'm proud of what you've done. Just, just happy to talk to you again, man. Me too, buddy. Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much.